Hey there, church. It's Pastor Ryan. Um, excited that you're joining us again this week on another one of our In Your Living Room church services. So we're excited you're here, and I really believe that God's got a message for us all this week uh, in and through the life of Elijah. And so we're going to be uh, opening the scriptures to First uh, Kings, uh, starting in chapters at the end of chapter 16. So if you want to open your Bible and prepare yourself, uh, we're going to be uh, looking at the life of Elijah, the majority of the life of Elijah. He shows up in a couple different parts in Scripture, um, but mainly this section in 1 Kings chapter 16. Um, and so we have been uh, walking through a series called Under Pressure. And so we've been looking at several pressure-filled situations uh, that God walked his people through and that God used uh, for his glory. And so we're uh, this week again looking through the life of Elijah. Uh, but isn't it true that uh, pressure can do different things in different circumstances. Uh, it can have all sorts of different outcomes. Uh, I learned that uh, the hard way a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had been cleaning out the basement at the church, and I noticed that there was an old smoke machine down there. Um, not, not, not like, uh, you know, not cigarette smoke, uh, but an old smoker for pork and, and other chicken and other meats that you want to smoke. Uh, and I've always wanted to use a smoker. And so I brought it home, cleaned it up a little bit and, uh, set it all up outside. And, and I even, I had a couple, uh, full chickens that I was going to, uh, smoke just to try it out and some kielbasa. So I was really excited. So I got the smoker all set up outside next to the driveway, a safe distance from the buildings. Praise the Lord, that does come into effect in a little while. And uh, I went ahead and, and lit the fire and put the lid on and walked away, and the fire went out. And so I decided what I needed was more uh, lighter fluid and charcoal. Uh, what I didn't realize was that when you open the little side door of the smoker to put in the charcoal and the lighter fluid, uh, when you get close to it with the flame, you need to have the top open. And so uh, you can imagine the seed as I'm kind of a newbie and I'm doing this all by myself, you know, watched a couple of YouTube videos, apparently didn't pay enough attention. And as I'm getting closer and closer to the smoker with an open flame, ready to relight everything as it's doused in, uh, in uh, starting fluid, uh, uh, starting fluid, it's not starting fluid, is it, Jacob? Uh, what is it called? Lighter, lighter fluid. All right, so lighter fluid. Uh, <laughs> So as I'm getting closer, I've got everything doused in lighter fluid. I got my wood chips in there. Everything's all set to go. And I'm about uh, six inches from the uh, smoker. And all of a sudden, the flame lit and shot out about a five and a half foot flame out the side of the smoker. The whole smoker jumped a couple inches off the ground and the top blew off the smoker. Uh, and I learned my lesson that a smoker also doubles as a bomb. So, uh, but the moral of the story is that pressure can call, cause all sorts of outcomes. And this week, we're going to look at the outcomes of uh, the pressure that Elijah was under. About the last 10 years of Elijah's life is what we'll be looking at. And boy, God just has him in pressure-filled situation after pressure-filled situation after pressure-filled situation as God is working in him. God paints this amazing picture uh, of a believer walking through similar situations in their lives. Uh, the message that Elijah's life screams is that we are never alone. Write that down if you're taking notes. You are never alone. It's one of the great messages and privileges of the gospel in our lives. Uh, how many times do we all experience loneliness at different times uh, throughout our lives? How many of us do we even experience a loneliness between us and God. Loneliness affects everybody 
and the ramifications of, lo of sin is loneliness. Now, when I talk about sin, I'm talking about sin in the Garden of Eden. You see, the root of loneliness wasn't in the original design of man. God formed man. Uh, God walked with man. Uh, God looked at man and said it is not good for him to be alone because the men will try to light fires and blow stuff up uh, like I did. And so God fashions another person to walk next to him. Adam and Eve uh, are now companions walking in life together, walking in fellowship with God. And all of a sudden, uh, there is a chasm that is created when sin enters the picture. When Adam and Eve fell, loneliness was one of the ramifications of that. We see that in their lives that they felt separated, they felt shameful, they felt um, like there was uh, something between them and God that they couldn't just break through. Uh, I was reading a couple different surveys and, and a couple different statistics on loneliness. And it says that uh, the Cigna Group last year did a, a survey and said that more than three out of five Americans are lonely. I uh, read another article by the U.S. Department of Health and it said that loneliness and social isolation, hello, um, can be as damaging to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Can you imagine that? You see, here's one of the great things of the gospel. And here would be, take this note. You may experience lonely, but you are, being lonely, but you are never alone. So, believer, you may experience seasons of loneliness, but the gospel truth is that you are never alone. So let's dive into the life of Elijah together and let's look at this uh, whole idea of never being alone. And we're going to watch God never leave Elijah's side. Never fail to work through Elijah. So just in, by way of setting up a little bit of a scene in, in 1 Kings chapter 16. So we're going to be uh, reading in, um, in verse 30 um, and, and reading through verse 33. So uh, 1 Kings chapter 30, or I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 16 verses 30 through 33. And Ahab the son of Amari did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him and as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, and the son of Nebat. For he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal, uh, and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal, and in the house of Baal, which was built in Samaria, uh, and Ahab made an Eshriah, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And so that's kind of the backdrop of then Elijah's going to enter the next scene. And so uh, there's two characters that are introduced that I just want to give a little bit of background on. Number one is Ahab. So Ahab is the king of God's people. He's the one that is leading God's people through the season in Israel's history. And uh, he is a wicked king. I mean, imagine having this written about you, that you did more evil in the sight of the Lord uh, than any who were ever before you. Like, this is just the nature of this man that is supposed to be leading God's people, and he's doing an absolutely horrible job. And one of the things that he does is he marries a woman named Jezebel, who's the other character uh, that I just want to give a little background. Um, she is the princess of the Sid Sidonians. 
uh, her dad not only was the king, uh, but her dad, the king of the Sidonians, but he also uh, was a leading priest for them uh, in, in, in Baal worship, which was a pagan uh, religion. And so this man was just a wicked man, and his daughter was equally as wicked. Uh, we're going to see um, God uh, use her uh, in some unique ways. Uh, she is a pretty negative character in Scripture. and so. Um, but God's agenda through Elijah's life is going to be to turn the hearts of Israel back to God. That's his job. That's the job of a prophet is to turn people's hearts back to God. And so we're going to see him step on the scene. He's going to step on the scene uh, in a unique way. So if you have uh, your Bibles open, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 6. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe, of course he's a Tishbite of Tishbe, right? Uh, In Gilead, uh, boy this is fun to read, uh, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, that I, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook, by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. See, here's our first point. When the outcome doesn't make sense, God sustains when we're under pressure and the outcome of the situations we're in just don't make any sense, God sustains. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Elijah. Uh, he's in love with the Lord. He's somebody that uh, is described as being jealous for God, like he's passionately pursuing God. And God directs him to go to the wicked king Ahab and say, hey, it's not going to rain until I tell you again. And so Ahab is obviously angry. Ahab is sending out people to hunt down Elijah uh, and to change God's mind uh, and to bring rain on the land. And, and nothing happens positive for Elijah in this season. I mean, I mean if, if you think about it, we sort of are all wired to think if we make the right choices, if we honor God, then God will bless us in return. What we don't realize and what is the first lesson that Elijah learns is that the blessing uh, was not a financial blessing. It was not a health and wealth blessing. The blessing was that he got to know God in a new area of his life. He got to sit by a creek. Uh, he was fed by ravens every day, bread and meat. I'm not sure if the ravens baked the bread or if they stole the bread. I'm not sure exactly how that worked. Uh, what I do know is that God provided for Elijah day in and day out as he continued to seek the Lord, as he continued to seek the Lord. This outcome just didn't make any sense. I obeyed you, God. I did exactly what you wanted to do. I put my own life at risk for you, God, and now I'm sitting by a brook. But what he gained was God's presence. What he gained was a deeper understanding of God. And the message is, he's not alone. God may have not had the outcome he thought he was, that Elijah thought he deserved or had, but God did not leave Elijah alone. Number two, let's keep reading. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 16. And after a while, the brook dried up. 
because there was no rain in the land. So like, dun, 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 the scene gets worse, right? So Elijah's in this spot and he's sitting by the creek where God wanted him to sit and be refreshed and renewed and protected and provided for. And then the brook dries up. There's another shift in the story. Verse eight, then the word of the Lord came to him, arise and go to Zarephath, there, uh, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little jug of oil, uh, oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the, the Lord God sends rain upon the earth. And she went as, and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Whew, that was a mouthful. All right, so uh, point number two, when those around you don't understand, God is at work. When those around you don't understand, God is at work. God is faithful uh, in this season where uh, you've got Elijah and he's housed with this widow who is uh, not a believer in God. Uh, she's not a follower of God, uh, but she welcomes him in. God provides for her needs and for Elijah through this whole scene. But Elijah is sitting in this home month after month after month after month, sitting with people that weren't worshipers of God. Uh, he would speak spiritual things. They just maybe weren't interested. And so they're watching the hand of God, but they really weren't following God. Have you ever been in a spot where you just felt like people just didn't understand what you're going through? Like nobody's been there before. You're in the spot where you're all alone. And I think that's where uh, Elijah was sitting for month after month after month. I mean, loneliness is just this interesting thing, isn't it? A performer can be in front of hundreds of people chanting their name, and yet they feel lonely inside. A spouse can be sharing the same covers and the same, uh, the same blankets as the person next to them that they're married to, but yet they can feel lonely. A kid in the lunchroom that's sitting alone can experience loneliness, even though they're surrounded by, hundred, surrounded by hundreds of other kids. Right? Loneliness is unique. Elijah is in this spot where he's experiencing just being misunderstood. And yet in that spot, he is not alone. God is at work. So as Elijah is day in and day out, waking up and spending time with his widow and her son, day in and day out, God is at work. God is teaching this widow what he is like, that when you follow and obey me, I am faithful to you, that the faithfulness of God to provide everything that they need, maybe not all their wants, but all their needs are provided for. He doesn't stop. 
God is at work on her. And the story takes another turn. If you, continue to, if you were to continue to read in chapter 17, the widow's son, so this is over a period of maybe a couple of years, the widow's son uh, passes away, gets ill and just passes away. And Elijah goes upstairs and he prays for the son. God raises the son. And then the widow says this in chapter 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 24. And the woman said to Elijah after her son was raised from the dead, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of God in your mouth is true. Folks, you may be in a spot where you are experiencing loneliness. You feel like you are going to work and you're coming home and like God is not at work in your coworkers. You feel like you're communicating with your family, immediate or extended, and you are trying to reach them with the gospel. You're trying to be the spiritual influence on them, and your spouse isn't getting it, and your relatives aren't getting it. The people you interact with aren't getting it. Here's what I can promise you. God is at work. God did not leave you alone, nor did he leave the people around you alone. He sent his son to die on a cross to win everybody to himself. This is good news. When you can't see it, when you can't emotionally feel it, God is at work. This whole drought lasts three and a half years that Elijah called on. And for three and a half years, Elijah is in a spot uh, where he's sitting by a brook and God sustains him. And then God goes by the widow and God sustains him and God is at work. And now we're going to read kind of the next chapter of the story, 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, verses 17 through 38. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 through 38. And Ahab saw Elijah. So this is again after about three and a half years. Ahab saw Elijah and Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore, Send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel. And 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Ashriah who eat at Jezebel's table. And Ahab sent for all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? Uh, If you have your Bible, underline that verse. Uh, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I, only am left as the prophet of the Lord. But the Baal prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire on it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay... uh, and lay on it wood and put no fire on it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered, It is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, uh, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire on it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal, morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar uh, that they had made, and at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, 
for he is God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with their swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been uh, thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord uh, came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones built the altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench uh, about the altar and great as would contain, so great that it would contain two seas of seed. And he put wood in it in order to cut the bull into pieces. He laid it on the wood and he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering on the wood. And he said, do not, or do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench with water. And the time of the offering of the oblation, uh, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things according to your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And all the people saw it, and their faces fell and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah is all by himself. I realize this is a lot of reading. Elijah is all by himself. I mean, he finally runs into Ahab, right? Like they finally meet, and God is ready to end the drought. And Elijah's got this message for him. And Elijah calls him, uh, it says that... um, How does he word it here? Uh, He calls him a troubler of Israel, right? Like Elijah did nothing wrong but obey God. And Ahab looks at him and says, you, you troubler of Israel. And Elijah gathers all the people. Ahab gathers all the people uh, and everybody's standing around listening to this. And Elijah looks at them and says in verse 21, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And it says the people did not answer him with even a word. The people did not answer him with even a word. This phrase that Elijah uses here, um, how long will you go limping between two different opinions, is kind of unique in the Hebrew. Uh, The idea of limping between two opinions is actually uh, to hesitate or to just become simply lame. Like as they, these were just a bunch of lame people, right? Like they didn't know which direction that they wanted to go. They all pause, and the only thing that you hear is the mooing of the two cows that are about to get sacrificed. I mean, nobody at all comes to his aid. Number three, if you're taking notes, is where Elijah is the only one standing, God sends fire. If you want to change that to yourself, Where I am the only one standing, God will send fire. These people gather around, and the only reason they're there is for a show. Like, they just just want a show. 
You know, they gather up their large sodas, uh, big, big box of popcorn, you know, their, their little jujubee box, you know, because that's the favorite, uh, favorite snack of the people of God. And so they, they gather around and they're all waiting for this big show. And yet, God does not affirm what they're doing, but God affirms his servant Elijah. They just wanted to show. They're so used to idol worship. They're so used uh, to just being spiritually apathetic. They tolerated so, much sin, tolerated so much sin in the land that it's just the norm. If I can just give you one spare change encouragement here, don't be these people. Don't be these people. It's kind of off the point, but don't be these people. Here, here's one of my favorite verses in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Here's what it says. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another every day. So, so Paul writes, again, this is just off the point. Paul writes this letter uh, to the Hebrews and, and he says, exhort one another every day. Th this is our job. We're not supposed to allow ourselves to become so deceived by sin that it becomes the norm in our lives or in our church life. We're, we're supposed to exhort one another. If, if you want a picture of that, have you ever seen the hype man uh, at, at a football game? Uh, this is the, the one guy that's appointed by the football team, and, and he's the guy that's chanting. There, there's these huddles right before uh, the football game begins, and everybody's jumping around, and everybody's chanting, and one guy is shouting out the you know victory chant or something uh, to get everybody amped up. This is called the hype man. I want to thank uh, Coach Fred Hale for that. Uh, he, he is that guy on his team. He's this coach that as I watched him in pregame, He's just running around and he is just cheering on everybody, getting everybody hyped up, getting everybody ready. This is the call of the believer. And Paul says, why? It's because sin is deceitful. These people just one day didn't decide, oh, we're just not going to worship God. It slowly creeped in. Sin and idol worship slowly creeped in and nobody stood up. And so now Elijah is all by himself. And it's up to God to send fire. And boy, does God answer. You've got the Baal prophets, and they're all dancing around. They get so passionate thinking that their God might show up, or they're trying to manipulate their God to show up, that they're actually cutting themselves. They're doing wild dances. They're crying out. And, and, and they just, you know, uh, Elijah says, you can't even wake this God that they're trying to do that to. And then Elijah just says a simple two-verse prayer, and God rains down fire it doesn't just consume the offering it consumes the stones the ground the water that he pours on top of it his god reigns god answers in fire by putting fire in elijah's belly to stand up when he needed to and by bringing fire down from heaven on the sacrifice he was not alone he may have felt lonely standing there by himself but he was not alone number four when elijah can't god pulls him through when Elijah can't anymore, God pulls him through. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 2 through 8. So the fire has fallen down. All the false prophets are now taken care of. And some people in the land are a little bit angry about that, namely Jezebel. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, 
so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as one of those, uh, one of them, the dead prophets, uh, by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life. I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, the angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head uh, a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate, drank, and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Uh, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Hereb, the mount of God. You've got sort of this unique situation. This is Elisha, and he is steeped in depression, right? He gets to a point where he's battled, 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 seemingly all alone over and over and over again, and he is tired. And we're going to watch God revive this whole man's soul. His whole countenance will be raised. God will transform him, and then God will take him home over the next chapter or so. Elijah's in a 40-day depression, and God meets him where he is, and God pulls him through. What does God use to pull him through? I'm going to give you three points, so these are sub-points. Um, number one, God uses his voice. Later in chapter 19, uh, as Elijah's on the mountain, um, the mountain of God, uh, God says, hey, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to speak to you. Wait here till I speak to you. And uh, wind comes and God's voice isn't in the wind. An earthquake comes and God's voice is not in the earthquake. Fire comes and God's voice is not in the fire. And then a low whisper comes and God speaks and God begins to regenerate the heart of Elijah. They have a deep conversation God calls him out of his, uh, the season that he's in and calls him to something different, calls him to the next season of his life. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Folks, you may be feeling the emotion of loneliness, but you are not alone. If you're in a spot of feeling lonely, one of the first things we can do is stop and listen for the voice of God. Be still and know that God is still in control. The second thing that God does uh, to pull Elijah through, and this is an important one. They're all important, but I'm going to say that about all of them. Uh, but this one in particular, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18, uh, as God is talking to Elijah, God, Elijah's saying, I'm all alone. It's I, even I am only left, and they seek my life to take it away. And then all of a sudden, um, God illuminates his mind to what the truth is. And the truth was there were still 7,000 people in the land of Israel that did not bow to one of these false gods. God reminds Elijah that there are other followers out there. God reminds Elijah that there are other followers out there. How many of us in this season... Uh, this is kind of a rub for us, like not being around the people of God regularly, not rubbing shoulders, not giving people hugs. I mean, hello, I'm like the hug king, right? So this has been really hard, but knowing that there are other people that are seeking after the Lord, other people that are loving the Lord, that in this new season we're all seeking uh, God, uh, this is just something that we need to ingrain in ourselves, that Christianity is a team sport. It's, it's not a lone sport. So if you are finding yourself alone, call some buddy. 
Number three, God pulls Elijah through, uh, and this is another big one, by investing in somebody else. 1 Kings 19.19, Elijah introduces introduces, uh, Elisha to him, and he's going to be the one that's going to take the mantle and run with it of prophet of God. And so God brings, for the next six years of Elijah's life, God's going to bring this young man alongside of him. They're going to walk together. God is going to train him up. And then when it's Elijah's time to be done on this earth, Elijah will go ahead and actually perform twice as many recorded miracles as Elijah did, which is kind of a cool thing. But in that moment, in our moments of feeling alone, are we investing in somebody else? Because that's what Elijah does. That's how God pulls him through. It's with his voice being still and knowing that he is still God. It's by surrounding ourselves with other followers of God. And number three, it's by investing in some of those people that God puts around you. So here's uh, just an emphatic statement of today's message. Believer, you are not alone. You can sin your way into a connectivity problem with God where you feel like there is a disconnect between you and God because of your sin um, with, between you and the Lord. But you can't flee his presence. His presence is always there. Some of us think that this whole Christianity thing is like a driver's license. Like uh, it's, a, it's you know, something that can be revoked uh, if we screw up. And, and it's just not. He's not just going to say peace and then just bug out. Like that's not what God does. Do you in your heart of hearts believe that? Do you believe that you can never ever be alone even if you're feeling lonely? Here's what David said about being alone. Psalm 139, verse 5. We're going to kind of uh, bullet point these. Psalm 139, verse 5. He says to God, you hem me in behind and before. That means even when David wants to go sin, even when David wants to run away from God's presence, God has surrounded him and he's never going to leave him in that spot. Here's what Jesus says in John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. God will never leave you fatherless. Jesus is never going to walk away and leave you on his alone and pull his Holy Spirit from you. It's part of the package. The Holy Spirit is part of the package of following Jesus. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. It says that you are filled with the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, being filled is, is um, or being sealed uh, with the promised Holy Spirit. Being sealed is it's sort of like when your wife hands you a pickle jar, she can't open it, and you can't open it, and you're trying to figure out, you're hitting it, doing all sorts of things trying to open it. It is sealed, it is full, the pickles are good, the Holy Spirit is in you, and he is good, right? Like a nice, good and dill pickle. He's inside of you. You are sealed. His presence is never going to run away from you. It is at best, or at worst, a connectivity problem between you and God. And so, believer, as we come to the end of the message, the best part about Elijah's story is right at the end. If you want to read it later, it's in 2 Kings chapter 2. But here's what God does. God comes to Elijah, and he says, hey, I'm just going to bring you home. Elijah actually doesn't even experience death on this side of heaven. God comes to him and brings him home and finishes the narrative that he is never going to be alone. God's desire is that nobody would experience separation from him. Nobody would ever experience that separation. 
But there's this sin problem between us and him. And so we are born separated from God. We walk in sin, and that keeps us separated from God. And here's what God did, is he saw humanity in their sin. He sent his son Jesus to die and pay our sin fine so that we could not just go free from our sin and from the consequences of that, but so that we could have a relationship with him that never, ever ends. If you're in a spot where, man, you've been considering spiritual things, you've been listening maybe the last couple weeks and hearing about Jesus and hearing about the stories in Scripture and God's faithfulness, and you say, I want to start that relationship. Two verses that I'd I'd direct your attention to. Number one is John 1.12. It says that we believe and receive. That means that we are at a point where we believe Jesus came, we believe Jesus died, we believe Jesus rose again, and it was all because of us. He wanted to win our hearts back to him. He paid our sin fine, and we can go free. And then we receive that. Um, the other verse I direct your attention to is Mark chapter 1, verse 15. It says, repent and believe. That means that we're in a spot where we maybe have heard the stories of God, we've heard about Jesus Christ, um, but we've never really turned that corner. And the, the scriptures are crying out for us to turn that corner, to repent, to change our mind. That's all that it means. Change our minds and begin a relationship with him by believing that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose again, and that he gave us new life. Have you done that? Believer, are you struggling with loneliness? Believer, are you struggling with the truth that you'll, you're never alone? Uh, look at the scriptures, what they have to say. If you need help, you call somebody. God bless.